What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I am Ben. We are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 112. There was some confusion about the number we were on as we were about to record, so I want to make sure we get it right. A little bit different this week. Normally we come to you on Wednesday due to a uh, scheduling, not conflict, it's not really a problem, but due to a change in schedule. We come to you Tuesday morning. So uh, that may happen from time to time. If we do record on Monday instead of Tuesday, we will release it on Tuesday. Uh, so don't expect it early. Still expect it, you know, 5 a.m. Wednesday mornings. But if it's early, just be a nice surprise for you, hopefully. So yeah. on today's show, we have uh, some unfortunate news we'll get to right off the bat. Uh, of course, NFL wildcard weekend. Some news that from the NFL that seems to have shocked everybody except Ben and I and those who have listened to this show. Uh, and a major trade in baseball. But first, a bit of unfortunate news. Uh, baseball legend, Dodgers legend, Tommy Lasorda, passed away late last week, age of 93. Uh, Hall of Fame manager, uh, I mean, baseball ambassador, coached Olympic teams, uh, almost 1,600 career wins, two-time World Series champion, four-time NL pennant winner, 71 years. Imagine that. 71 years with the Dodgers organization. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Clearly, you spent seven plus decades with the organization. Your number's retired. Uh, and even, even, fun fact before you go, yep. he has a planet named after him. Wow. Which I did not know until I was doing some research for the show. You know, pay our respects to somebody who spent so much time in the game we we love. Uh, yeah, Minor Planet sixty one twenty eight Lasorda. So I I don't know where it is. Uh, I've never been there. <laughs> Obviously, none of us have. Obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, he's a legend in every sense of the word. Uh, uh, real quick for me, I always remember. I forget what All Star game it was. I remember. I don't know if it was an all-star game or home run derby, but he was third base coach, like an honor, honorary coach. And whoever was hitting, the bat came out of their hands, went flying, bounced, knocked him on his ass. It's only funny because he was okay and he was laughing about it. But that, that's an image that is always with me, just him getting up laughing. And, and you know, he was – kind of reminds me of uh, baseball's Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, that's a fair assessment. I, I don't know why. I always saw the two as – there's kind of weird comparison in my head. I kind of always – kind of comedies Tommy Lasorda baseball is Rodney Dangerfield uh so that's uh that's my little tribute to uh one of the greats anything you'd like to say before you move on I think I think um when you think Dodgers you think two people you think Vince Scully and you think Tommy Lasorda just sure. hand in hand yep. uh, ambassador to the game just been around a long long time and uh, sad to see him go it's unfortunate, but he will remember it in, in, in all of his wins, his accolades. He's in Cooperstown, so, you know, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. Yes, sir, rest in peace, and uh, thank you for all the memories. All right, on to a player who's going to make a lot of memories before he's done. Francisco Lindor, considered by some to be the best uh, shortstop in baseball, supposed to be part of this upcoming massive uh, free agency class. At shortstop, uh, was traded. Was traded surprisingly. I mean, I know the uh, the Indians were talking about it, and yeah, we're still calling them the Indians because until that's not their name anymore, we're going to call them the Indians. Uh, so I mean, uh, traded for uh, let's see Ahmed Rosario and essentially three prospects. He was traded alongside, uh, you know, well, former and current teammate now Carlos Carrasco who at one point was considered one of the better pitchers in the game. I mean, you said it. This is kind of akin to the Mookie Betts deal. Yeah. If, if the Indians were going to trade this guy, they could have fleeced the team. Instead, they're just like, you know what? We can't re-sign him. He apparently turned down a $200-plus million contract extension, or he wanted a $200-plus million extension. And they're like, okay, we're going to get what we can for him, and we're going to move on and – just 
you go forward with what we have. I think I think the parallels, there's two parallels with Mookie Betts here. There's one, as you pointed out, they offered him a $200 million contract and he turned it down. So there's that. And he was the reason why the value is so lower for Lindor is the same thing with Mookie Betts. Instead of trading him for two postseason runs, you've traded him for only one postseason run. I understand the Indians were in it and they were trying to make a, you know, uh, a push last year, but in all honesty, you would have got more if you traded him last trading deadline, just like if the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts, the previous trading deadline, it's all about, it's not about how many years are left. It's about how many runs you get out of the person. You can get two good postseason runs out of a player of that caliber, you'll get more. But unfortunately, that's why, that's why Chris Archer got so much because they had him for what would have been essentially at least two postseason runs, if not more. And obviously, <laughs> you, you take the Pirates, you're going to make two postseason runs. I'm just saying. If this though, doesn't work out, you could go to comedy. That's, <laughs> that's some stand up comedy gold right there. I, I'm saying the logic is that. It doesn't mean it, it translates with the teams, but that's the logic yeah, behind I it. I get you. And, I mean, he's obviously apparently open to contract extension talks with the Mets, which that makes sense because they'll probably dump a bunch of money in him. Uh, they didn't give up a ton no, to get him. No, they didn't. Much like the Dodgers did not give up a ton to, to get Mookie Betts. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Uh, so, and we're a little more familiar with that deal than the, uh, than the Lindor deal. I think the Mets are going to win this one. They're going to get the contract extension. He's going to be the face of the franchise. He's, he's going to be the guy and they're going to try to market him as the guy. Oh, Will that, it work? Yeah. I don't know, but the Indians just became, I mean, think of this, Chris. Trevor Bauer, Trevor uh, uh, Francisco Lindor, back to like essentially back to back. Yeah. What is what is your appeal? Uh, I I I think you're 100 percent right. They didn't they didn't trade for him to have him just be APs. They traded for him to make him one of the faces of the franchise. Uh, new Mets owner Steve Cohen wants to make a splash. Wants to make an impact. He actually went online and asked fans. Uh, what they thought he should do as far as improving the team. I'm not sure how many said Lindor, but, uh, you know, he's not obviously not going to do every little thing they say to do, but he's trying to put the image out there. And so far he's actually doing it of, hey, I'm listening, guys. What do you think I should do? What would, what would make you want to buy tickets and come out and watch the Mets again uh, to be a competitive team? They gave up essentially nothing for what they got in return. No, no, I don't disrespect Ahmed Rosario. I know he's he's had some good, you know, he's been good, but he's, he's not, not Francisco. He's not exactly. He's not Francisco Lindor. This was a great move by the Mets because a lot of times guys coming from the AL to the NL, uh, if they hit certain spots in the lineup, uh, it can really affect them. Uh, Lindor is not. The only way is if he hits leadoff and. You know, there's you know, a pitcher hits in front of him. He might lose some RBI opportunities if that guy gets out with two outs. He's more than going to make up for that with what he can do at the plate and in the field. This guy is a star. Every team should have been throwing offers out there to Cleveland to get him, whether they thought they had a shot or not. Good on the Mets for turning around. What's kind of been as far as a management perspective goes a, a laughing stock of a franchise for the better part of as long as I can remember. Uh yeah, I mean this is great move by the Mets. Hopefully it doesn't burn the Indians too bad for the sake of their fan base. Um I know if I was an Indians fan, much like with the Mookie trade, I'd be pretty upset. You could have probably gotten a lot more, at least a good a good arm for them somewhere. They didn't, but uh yeah this is this is legalized theft by the Mets, and oh, he's yeah. absolutely worth sitting down with right now and saying, okay, we traded for you. 
you're in a Mets uniform. Let's work out a deal. Let's make sure you're a Met for the next eight to 10 years. And let's not even have this be an issue. And I, I look at it from each, each um, roster standpoint. Lindor just elevated that lineup tremendously. And it's, it's not a great lineup. I mean, they got, they got Pete Alonso who's, who's tearing the cover off the ball each year he's been up, but after that, it's, it's Michael Conforto and then a bunch of guys that are up and coming or past their prime. And then, you know, this, this infuses talent, um, a little bit of gravitas because Francisco has this aura around him that just can elevate, I believe can elevate the team. Yep. 100%. I I think that gives them opportunity to kind of play with the lineup a little bit and really, if they see something in free agency that they like, they don't need to go out and break the bank for that player. If there's little pieces here and there for second base or outfield or, fourth outfielder, fourth in a uh, fifth infielder, whatever they're looking for, they can kind of do that uh, and wh- where whoever they want and really kind of dictate how they want the lineup to look just because Lindor can, can, as you said, can just slot anywhere into that uh, lineup and produce. If you have Lindor hitting three and Pete Alonso hitting four. Yeah. Then that whole, that whole scenario I just brought up about the, the pitcher may be costing him some RBIs if he's leading off. Isn't even an issue. It's not even an issue. Doesn't hurt him at all. You got a stud player in his prime. Maybe we maybe we haven't even seen the best that he has to offer yet. That could still be to come. This kid's going to be an all-star for the next five to seven years at least, if not longer. If he doesn't injure himself, if he stays healthy, this could be one of the better moves the Mets have ever made. This might make some people kind of forget the Mo Vaughn. Uh, saga and uh, the Bobby Bonilla day might be a thing of the past if they can they can make this work considering what they traded for him. Oh, absolutely. And, well, uh, if I look at, I just want to touch on Indians. It's Jose Ramirez, and then boy, yeah, boy. I mean, uh, Cleveland. It's gonna be a tough road unless they can rebuild quick. It's especially if they trade Jose, then it's. You're looking at a probably triple A team. At this point, if they could get, you know, prime talent for Jose Ramirez, they may as well because it's it's that team was so stacked four or five years ago. Man, were they were they built for the future? And they just between poor management, uh, and I, I don't mean the actual managing of the team because I'm a big Terry Francona fan, but between actual like just managing their prospects. Yeah, and and just bad trades and, and uh, it. They uh, yeah, you got got a feel for Indians fans. I'll just leave it at that. Another fan base you might need to feel for just a little bit. Maybe you won't. I won't. <laughs> Today, about as of a few hours before we recorded this on Monday, uh, January eleventh, Doug Peterson, coach or. Former coach of the Philadelphia Eagles was fired, relieved of his duties, sacrifice of the football gods, whatever you want to say. Uh, we talked about this last episode. We wouldn't be surprised after what we saw and what we heard after that whole debacle against the Washington football team, week 17. Uh, you know, everybody's coming out now and saying, oh, Peterson was a great team guy and he was this and he was that. But that is not what you were hearing for the last two weeks that the team had lost, he, he lost the team. They didn't believe in him anymore. They didn't have confidence in him. Uh, even if the rumors are true, and it was owner Jeffrey Lurie who sent down the order to have them put the, uh, I already forgot his name, the third stringer in instead of Jalen Hurts. Suffeld. Yeah. Put Suffeld in so they could, you know, unintentionally, quote, intentionally blow it tank and get the sixth pick instead of the ninth pick. Even if you believe that uh, you have to know, no matter what Jeffrey Lurie says, he already knew he was doing this. This wasn't going to be Peterson rebuilding the regime. And you have to think if it was a Doug Peterson call, he didn't see this coming at all because why would he do that when he knew he wouldn't be here to make the pick? 
So just just more of a mess for an Eagles organization that three years ago was raising the Lombardi Trophy. And now they're what they are now. It's incredible. I have not seen this fast a decline. I don't think ever, honestly. Uh, I'd have to rack my brain a bit to think of someone who a team or a a roster formation that has plummeted this quickly. Uh, Maybe you could think the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe you could think the 90s Buffalo Bills after their fourth Super Bowl. But without racking my brain too much, I, I don't know offhand if I've seen such a such a fall. And, and and here's the the crazy part: it's the same starting quarterback essentially throughout the entire span. I'm not surprised. You're not surprised. I don't know why anyone else is not surprised. If you read the tea leaves, if you've seen history of players coming out and commenting about plays, with the exception of Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. And I think because Pete has a way of, of working his roster plus in, I think like two, one to two years later, he kind of just reformed the roster. I think you, you should have saw the tea leaves of, of Doug Peterson's not going to have his job. And it's weird. Cause I, I listened to um, a little bit of Jeffrey Laurie's press conference before we got on. And read a few th- read a few lines, and he's excited about the opportunity a coach is going to have. He's going to have options between which quarterback he wants to go with. And if I'm a, a promising head coach and I come in, I'm hitching my wagon to Jalen Hurts. I'm not going with Carson Wentz. No, I'm sorry. Especially if I'm an up and coming guy who I think it's going to be a lot of those getting hired this offseason. Uh, you saw Dan Quinn already got a job as a defensive coordinator. And that's what's going to happen, I think, with a lot of the retreads that are getting fired. They're just going to get uh, coordinator positions. So it's going to be an up-and-comer, and they're going to want to go, what are we going to go with? We're going to go with Jalen Hurts, who's young. I mean, Carson's young still, but younger, long-term, upside can mold him or Carson Wentz who has a history of injury as whether you agree with it or not questions this year about his leadership. And I just would go with Jalen hurts. If I was this up and coming, like if it was Bill Belichick, then you have options either quarterback, but an up and coming you know, we're going to mention a few names, but I'm becoming head coach. I definitely go Jalen Hurts. Look, I, I want to point something out before I before I quote bash on Doug Peterson. Sure. Uh, seems like a nice guy. Uh, seems like a guy who really does care about his players, which is good. Uh, according to Lane Johnson, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, you still be, be have plenty of time to hang out with Lane now. Um. I just don't, you know, back when Pete Carroll was the coach of the Patriots, uh, he was not the coach he is now with the Seahawks. He had to have that experience. He went away, took a college gig, came back to the pros. Uh, Maybe for Doug Peterson, that involves maybe not going to college, but maybe going to uh, another team and being a coordinator again, as he was the coordinator for the Chiefs before, uh, and, and I believe from like 2012 to 2015 before becoming the Eagles head coach in 2016. Um, so, I mean, he, he could go and be a coordinator again. And then maybe if he can, you know, rebuild some of that, some of that, uh, that cred, if you will, get another opportunity down the road. Um, but I've said this before, and I really feel this way. Doug Peterson succeeded on the team he inherited. He inherited the second overall pick in Carson Wentz, who I know you're not always the biggest fan, but his first couple of years played really well. Especially that year two when he was probably going to be the front runner for the MVP until he got hurt. Uh, you know, he he did great with that, with that offensive line that was essentially built for him before he came in. That good running game. 
the receivers that were still, you know, they were getting towards the end of the rope, but they were still effective enough with the running game and a great offensive line. He got to where he did in the Super Bowl with the shell of the team that was left to him. And then when it came time for him to do it himself, continue it, to rebuild it, to make it work, to, to I don't know, the team chemistry issue or what the deal was, maybe they honestly, and I usually say this with sarcasm, not this time, maybe they honestly were too concerned with just enjoying themselves and not taking it seriously as a job. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a Philadelphia Eagle. I'm not in the practice uh, facility when they're practicing. I don't know what it's like. But there was something missing. And when you start to lose players, like you said, you read the tea leaves. When you start to lose the players and you go 4-11-1, and one, and, you know, uh, you've just regressed. You came in, went 7-9. and nine. Okay, that's fine. Then you went 13-3. and three. Awesome. Win the Super Bowl. We're going to be a dynasty. None, you know, you go from being a laughing stock to winning one to telling everybody else how they're supposed to win. And then you go 9-7 and seven in back-to-back years. It's not the worst record in the world. That's fine if you're rebuilding, but you're not. You're a franchise that's supposed to be making, according to you, an all-time great playoff run. And you're going 7-9 and nine, or nine and 7, excuse me, and not really impressing anybody. Nobody wanted to win that division two years ago. This year it came down to three under 500 teams on the last day, and you still couldn't pull it off. You won four games in one of the worst divisions in league history. And they basically orchestrated who won the division. Yeah. Basically, if I mean, I know maybe I'm stretching that a little bit, but he basically the Eagles orchestrated who was going to win that division um, week 17. It's just something wasn't clicking there. Something yeah. wasn't working. Uh, the only thing I'll add before we move on is with rumors out of uh, uh, Kansas City. Uh-huh. That Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator, is is and very well should get a head coaching position following the end of the season. I know what I think, yeah. but do you foresee with Doug Peterson more than likely not getting a head coaching position? There's rumors out there already that he's going to be contacting the Jets, or the Jets are contacting him. I think that would be terrible if you're a Jets fan. As hope OC? you don't. Hope you don't know as their head coach. Oh God. That, that would be not be the right situation for him. He needs to go somewhere and be a coordinator again, learn from his mistakes, and then try again in a few years. But, yeah, if you're a Jets fan, and I know there's some listening, uh, for your sake, I hope it is not not Doug Peterson. Um, do you think there's any reunion with Kansas City? Uh, I mean, I, ha- I have three things to unpack real quick on you. First off, the Eagles should have learned from Chip Kelly and how that that thing just deteriorated so quickly. And that's the team he inherited. So I think he got a little bump from Chip Kelly being just run that team into the ground that he had such an opposite personality that I think that might have gotten him a little boost at the beginning of the run the first couple of years. Maybe, maybe not, but you, know, you remember how it ended with Chip Kelly. He got fired midseason. Right. So I think he might have gotten a, a Doug Peterson might get a bump, you know, hey, this is how the way I do it. And it's completely opposite of the way Chip Kelly, who ran the team into the ground, trying to run 80 offensive plays every game, which didn't work. Fun fact. Um, and another team that should learn from their mistakes, the Jets just did this. They just hired a guy who had just got fired from another team. Why wouldn't they just start fresh for the new person or someone who's been coordinating for a couple of years and kind of has a better idea how to run a team? Like, why would you, I, I don't understand. And I don't think, I don't think it'd be better for Andy Reid not to bring Doug Peterson back as the offensive coordinator. Oh, I agree. I don't. I don't. I totally agree with that. I, I, I almost didn't put that down as a question, but I figured it might come up, seeing as the position's open. That's where he came from. No, if you're the New York Jets, you call Robert Sala, you call yeah. Eric Bieniemy, yeah. and if neither one of them will come to you, you call Anthony Lynn 
I, I personally believe Anthony Lynn's the best fit. But I think with those two being the, the two, quote, hot names out there, with Salah and Vienna, that they'll they'll probably call them first. But, uh, man, if I was Anthony Lynn, that, 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 if I, and if I was a Jets fan, which <laughs> I'm certainly not, not. But <laughs> I am a fan of football and quality football. And, uh, you know, part of being, you know, doing, uh, you know, analysis of teams, you, you know, you have to put yourself in those shoes. And if I was a Jets fan, they hired Anthony Lynn, considering the last guy in Adam Gase it was there, I would be jumping for joy. You get Anthony Lynn, a respectable, intelligent coach, with the number two overall pick, and some decent pieces to build with, I'd feel a lot better going into this season as a Jets fan than I was ending last season. But thankfully, I'm not a Jets fan, so I don't got to worry about that. But, you know, sorry, yeah, I got to... I had to take that little shot in there. I did, I did him a solid. I got to give it back to him a little bit, you know? That's okay. It's okay. Um, and and I, I agree with you on Anthony Lynn. And I understand that kind of flies in the face of what I just said about hiring a guy that just got fired. But I think you can make like him, Ron Rivera, they're kind of exceptions where you saw progress. You saw, well, for Ron Rivera, just he has long a longevity of history of success. And eighth Lynn, you just saw success each and every year. And when he had his guys, well, he had great success. So I can't I can't ju- not hear great success in Borat's voice. Sorry. <laughs> I I just I, I hope for this Jets fans' sake that they make the right decision and yeah. bring in someone who is either new or has an understanding of how to run the team. I, I just it's don't be Bill think, O'Brien. Oh, if it was Billy O, I mean, like there's three names that should be off the list is Billy O, Bill O'Brien, um, and, and Bill and B O'Brien and Doug Peterson and <laughs> Adam Gase. And I wouldn't put it past the jets to rehire Adam Gase. Oh, just I would. Yeah. That's, that'd, be, that'd be absurd. We did a search, you, everybody. We found the right guy. Let's reintroduce Adam Gase. You don't think that there's there's a sliver of a chance that the Jets would do it because it's the Jets. Honestly, I mean, I can't tell if you're being serious or if you're trying to prove a point right now, but I, I certainly cannot see them bring back Gase. It would not surprise me if they get turned down by Eric Bieniemy and uh, and Robert Sala. And to be honest, about either of those guys, there's better positions to get into as a coach. I wouldn't take it. But uh, they're not even calling Anthony Lynn being like, you know what? That Bill O'Brien guy got Deshaun Watson in Houston. We're bringing him in. And if I were a Jets fan, man, I would be pissed. You have a chance right now to just turn around the entire attitude and perception of your franchise by making a good pick at number two and bringing in a good coach who can build a team with intelligence and solid game planning. And a way to do that is not Bill O'Brien. So... Uh, let's hope for our, our AFC East brethren that they make a better choice because we'd like some more competition down the road because our team isn't going to suck that bad next year, he says, hopefully. All right, so we're going to quickly review the super, as the NFL called it, super wild card weekend. We're not going to dive you know dive uh, too deep into these. We're going to tell you the scores and, and a little and a little little uh, little side note as to what we think happened or. Uh, we're going to give you the scores and you know, our point of view of the game real quick and then move on to a few of the top stories. And then we're going to give you our predictions for the upcoming weekend as well as how we did. And this past weekend, Ben's shaking his head. I know it's not video, it's audio. That's why I'm telling you. He's shaking his head. Uh, he pretty much did what he did for the playoff predictions, what he did for Banker Tank, which was not as good as I did. So there's a pattern here, folks. All right. Chiefs, obviously, number one, had to buy. Yep. Bills beat the Colts. Uh, That's I think we both had that one. Uh, Colts had to play catch up. They put it in the hands of Phillip Rivers. And surprise, the least clutch, quote, good quarterback of all time couldn't come through. Uh, Anything on that one? Besides the obvious we're going to get into later. Yeah, just the obvious of, of why it was that close. That's not the obvious I was talking about. We'll 
We'll get into that. Okay. Uh, Steelers and the Browns. I called the Browns on this one. You did? America, by a vote, called the Browns on this one. Okay. Every, and I, I don't, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the uh, the rather confident, borderline arrogant, uh, I believe it's the NBC crew who was doing this last night. Everybody's son, everybody's son is on that. You got Collinsworth kid on there. You got Phil Simms kid on there. And they all very smugly like they're experts. There's no way the Browns win this game. Pittsburgh's just too good, blah, blah, blah. And the Browns went in and absolutely ate the Steelers' lunch on them and made the Steelers – yeah, the game was closer score-wise than it actually was on the field because, man, you had 28 nothing at one point in that first quarter. <laughs> and it was – had the Browns kept going and going and going. You know, you'd see them, they get a little comfortable, and then Pittsburgh would start catching up. Yeah. And then they'd turn the running game back on. Baker would, you know, make a couple of nice throws. Uh, and, you know uh, – Cleveland's moving on. Titans and Ravens. Uh, that didn't that didn't exactly turn out the way either of us thought it would. I let you take this one. Yeah, I was I was I was stunned to see the score. Um, I didn't get to watch this game, but I was I was sure that Derrick Henry would run all over him again. Yeah, we uh, both were. I think it's being a little strong that exercising. Uh, Lamar's demons by winning this game is a little strong. It's his second playoff game. So yeah. I, 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 I love that. A little... They're acting like it's a 10 year stretch. He couldn't win. The dude came in last year, got surprised by a good Titans team lost. Yeah. And all of a right. sudden he can't win a playoff game. It's like, man, this sports media just, just makes everything over dramatized to the max. Well, it's just, it's building a narrative that isn't there and you're trying to force it in. And I, 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 Glad he won. I know I picked the Titans. I'm glad he won. And we'll see what he does um, against the Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah. Maybe. Chiefs. I mean, is it? Or no. No. Brown. No, no. Oh, no. Browns. No. Browns. That's right. Little foreshadowing. No. Oh, we'll get to that no. in a minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that one, too. Especially the just complete lack of use and production of Derrick Henry. But, man, what are you going to do? Same thing that same thing that bit him in the AFC championship game last year. So I mean if All they're right. not gonna learn how to use their running back in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I don't know why you why you paid Derrick Henry all that money, why you made the offense the way you made it, and then you're just not gonna do it in the postseason. Let's run the ball seven hundred times in the regular season and then not use him in the postseason. That makes sense. Um New Orleans at, uh, at Chicago, or uh, no, Chicago at New Orleans. Yes. I went on a limb on this one, and the Chicago Bears did me no justice. Well, you put, I mean. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, Mitch Trubisky went full Mitch Trubisky on this one, and to hear Tony Romo uh, pretty much drool over how good Mitch Trubisky could have been if he had all of his weapons. Uh, is, weapons? Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis got thrown out for uh, Anthony Davis. <laughs> Allen Robinson? Uh, no, no, no. Anthony uh, Anthony Miller Oh, got oh. thrown out for throwing a punch at somebody. He wasn't much okay. of an impact. Uh, I mean, it, David Montgomery did fine when they used him. Like he has been the last couple, you know, weeks, you know, month to four, six weeks of the season. He's been fine. Uh, Trubisky couldn't. Hit water falling out of a boat, which is Trubisky's MO. Right. Uh, and apparently Romo believes the Bears should resign him and bring him back because it's only been four years. It's not like it's been eight and we've seen all that this kid can offer. Okay, Tony. Uh my my my, my affection for Tony Romo as a broadcaster uh is quickly disappearing. Oh yeah. Uh it, I picked the Saints. I actually originally in my original predictions did pick the Bears, but thought better of it. I picked the Saints. Uh, I think if the Saints had to, if they felt like they were threatened, they could have put up many more points in this game the way it was going. So they will be playing uh, at home because they're the two seed and they're, they survive. So Rams at Seahawks. We have a very – it's going to be a controversial topic we talk about in a few minutes, but yeah. let's just say the Saints – Saints. Let's just say the Seahawks did not show up. 
I, they didn't show up, and and Wolford got knocked out, and a hampered Jared Goff came in. Yeah, a hampered stitched up ten days off of surgery. Jared Goff came in, and, and won, and just basically won. I I, I don't want to say to it. It, it. It's not it's it's not the fact that he did that. It, it's the fact that they weren't putting up a ton of points, being the Rams. Yeah, and the Seahawks just still with the elite level Russell Wilson and all of these great weapons that were perfectly healthy couldn't put up more points than they did against the Rams. Uh, that's we'll definitely get into that, but uh, the final game, a game I was very wrong on the Washington football team hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does in the playoffs. Uh, I know it was against a, a bad team that won the worst division ever, but still, but still, it is a playoff team with a tremendously talented defensive line. I thought that line would give him fits all day. I thought, you know, not having uh, Mike uh, Mike Evans at full strength would hamper the Bucks. Nothing seemed to hamper the Bucks. Antonio Brown's getting integrated more in that offense. The running game looks pretty good. Always good as it ha- as good as it has to be. Evans. Even limping around was still a force. Washington tried. They showed heart. They they had a chance in, in the late goings to to tie it up, but it wasn't, you know, it just didn't work. The Bucks were the Bucks just overwhelmed them. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was close for a while, but unfortunately, you have this kid who's got just no experience pretty much playing quarterback in the NFL trying to go up against Tom Brady. You're in a losing situation, unfortunately. It it speaks to the level of Ron Rivera's coaching abilities that they were, A, in the game, and B, competitive. So if they can figure out this quarterback position in, in Washington, I'm Dallas, I'm the – Giants, I'm the Eagles. I'm very concerned about the future because that's going to be a scary team when he really gets it going. hundred uh, percent agree. They're they're a consistent and really good quality starting quarterback away from being very dangerous. Antonio Gibson showed a lot. Uh, Logan Thomas looks really like one of the up and coming tight ends in the game. Terry McLaurin, if he had a guy who can get him the ball consistently is going to be a pro bowl receiver and they had whatever other pieces they had too. I mean, they, they made major steps from year one from uh, last year to year one of Ron Rivera. Uh, if you're a Washington football team fan, if you've hung through all the dark times, I think you got a pretty bright future ahead of you. All right. Now I knew a few notable stories from super wild card weekend. Uh, the, the bills Colts game. You brought up how it shouldn't have been as close as it was. I'm actually not too surprised this one was close, only because of the caliber of the Colts' defense. Uh, but that fumble in the final few minutes, or excuse me, that fumble non-call, I don't understand how a team of trained NFL officials could look at that and say, no, nope, you know what? Incomplete pass. Or no, excuse me, it wasn't incomplete. It was, oh, he was down. They said he was down. down. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, Phillip Rivers... Uh, and I, I, I say this loosely, uh, attempting a comeback uh, against the Bills. Uh, I believe it would have been would have been a game winning or game tying drive. I think it would have been a game winning drive. Game winning, game winning drive. Would have been a game winning drive. Driving to to try to get a field goal to tie the game, but if they scored a touchdown. Okay, that's right. Yeah, uh, throws two receivers. Zach Pascal on fourth down. Pascal gets the first down, but fell over when catching the ball. Goes to get up. As he's getting up, the ball is punched out. Look to everybody who saw it to be a fumble. Now, a bang, bang play without the benefit of review. I, g- I give you that much without slow motion. When it was slowed down, it was obvious to everybody, everybody, that his knee was off the ground when that ball was punched out, which means because he wasn't contacted before going to the ground, that was still a live play. He stands up, ball comes out, should have been a fumble, Bills win right there. Stevie Wonder could have seen this was a fumble. 
And <laughs> the officials inexplicably come back and say he was down by contact. Luckily for the Bills and Bills fans, didn't hurt him at all. Their defense stood, you know, they, they stood their ground. Bills still end up winning the game. But man, if we're if we can look if we're looking forward to another postseason that the officials call in plays like this, it seems to be every single year there is some egregious play where you look at it and you say, How are these trained officials making these blunders? These are these are guys who were rated as the best of the best all throughout the year. And I don't want to hear anybody give them the excuse of, well, it's uh you know, it's not the same team they're normally with. They're normally with a certain group of uh, officials, and they're with different officials. And you don't need to be with your same group of officials to have functioning eyes that can see the obvious slow down on a screen. Like It's obvious. NFL has got to get these guys more prepared. I don't know what it is, but something happens every friggin' year. It could have cost the bills the game and yes. that would have been that would have been honest to god uh, incredibly unfortunate not only for the fans of that team but for those players who i mean just look phenomenal all year and and they were having a slow start the the colts gave them a game cuz you know they, like you said they have a good defense and they have a a really good up and coming running game with Jonathan Taylor. So there no there shouldn't be a slouch. And I don't want to say they were, you know, not taking them seriously, but it was a competitive game. That being said, it could have been stolen away from them just as easily as the non pass interference call a couple years ago. The game uh, the championship uh, game and a potential Super Bowl bid for the Saints was taken away from them. And I think the only answer to your question of how, you know, how do we get this right? How do they be more consistent is if these refs are full time and they're, when they're in the off season, they're learning and they're training to be better. But to your point, it doesn't take a whole team to figure this one. The There's one person under the hood looking at that video and they have better video than we do when we're watching it on TV. You can't tell me. I, I thought for a second it was, oh, he was down. And then I took a second from what I was doing, looked at the screen. Yeah. He's, he's not down. That's a fumble ball goes to the, the, the bills. That took me like three seconds to figure out. And he couldn't figure it out on their high definition uh, monitor. I no amount of no amount of work training is going to fix someone who just can't see what they're looking at. No, you're right on that one. Uh, I have a question for you. Shoot. When I say elite quarterback, what comes to mind? Not 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 people. As far as like actions, like what they do, what they accomplish on the field, uh, make the team better. That, uh, you know, they elevate their 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 offense. They cover up the warts of of whether it's offense line issues, uh, a poor running game, maybe underwhelming wide receivers, uh, a defense that's not you know top tier. They do, they make them that much better. So if they were to have a quality running game that was right. healthy. Mm-hmm. Two outstanding receivers, including one that is probably going to be a top three to five receiver for the next ten years, uh, and, and experienced coaches. Okay, if that quarterback in a home game, and I know there's not fans in stands that affects things, I get that, but still goes out and gets 174 passing yards, two touchdowns, an interception. And runs for 50. I mean, and they lose by 10, mind you. I believe the final score of that game. Of course, we're talking about the game this weekend between the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, where Russell Wilson uh, 
I mean, he did exactly what I said last episode he could not do. Uh, he, he, I said he had to come through in this game. Time and time again, everybody in that Seahawks organization is to blame, except Russell Wilson. One way or another, Russell Wilson is impervious to criticism. He can't be touched. It's always the offensive line. It's always the defense. It's, it's always uh, receivers not doing what they need to do. And in some cases, that's been true. Not going to put it all on him. But this guy, you said it last episode, without that elite defense, that Legion of Boom level defense, to continuously turn the ball over, put them in good spots. Russell Wilson's not the same quarterback. He had a hot start. And after week six or seven, what happened? He dropped off, and the Seahawks became slightly better than a 500 team. And, you know, there were some injuries in there for a while. There were some inconsistencies on defense. Defense got healthy, started playing a lot better. Running backs were healthy. Might have still had some O-linemen banged up, but every team does at this point. I mean, the Browns got two really good O-linemen banged up last night, and they still played well. So, I know Russell Wilson is, is beyond reproach. And that's not where he puts himself, mind you. I have nothing. I'm not trying to talk badly about the human being, Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson. Seems like a good dude. On the field, he's not elite. I'm sorry, he's not. He's just that tier underneath it. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. Uh, he's not Drew Brees. And you can say to yourself, "Well, those guys have elite talent around them. They do now, and they do because they were able to bring it out of people." I mean, Brady in Tampa is a bit of a stretch because he went down there with the lead talent. But a lot of times in New England, he didn't have that. I, <laughs> I remember him uh, making it uh, to the AFC Championship game against the Colts with, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the guy, the receiver. But this is a guy who should have been a third string receiver, and he was the Patriots' number one. And they came. Oh, you talking about Rache Caldwell. Rache Caldwell, yes. Uh, Rache Caldwell was the number one receiver for New England. And they came within an epic defensive collapse away from making it to the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game against the Colts that year. And he did it. Mahomes. Mahomes leading the comeback last year. I know he has great talent around him now. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson. Far less talent around him than Russell Wilson has. You know, I mean, I'm not saying Russell's garbage by any means, but this guy is not at a Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Manning, Mahomes, not even Deshaun Watson level. I, I know I this hurts. Say, yeah, I know you're a Russell Wilson guy, but I yeah. mean, come on. Lamar, think, Lamar. Lamar put the team on his back yesterday. He did. He did. I think the only – here's here's – as I'm sitting here uh, listening to you, and I'm thinking, like, what's the comp? What what could uh, the potential comp be with Russell Wilson? And I keep thinking, for some reason, Philip Rivers. There is a, as crazy as it sounds, there's a sliver of a difference between Russell Wilson and, and Philip Rivers. And I know it's two Super Bowl appearances and one win. But if you take away that epic defense. That's that's not a defense that I don't think I'm, I'm thinking back to all the Charger teams. I don't think they've had as epic of a defense as as the Seahawks did in those two runs, and that's what I think back. It's like, God, he's good in the regular season; he gets the numbers. But if we look at his track record, and we'll probably do some more of this in the in the off season. Look at his track record, his non-Super Bowl runs, and they're not great. I'm sure they're not going to be great. And and we always as we as and we're guilty of it too, pointing to you know this position, that position, but we'll also point out when there's nothing wrong, and there's nothing wrong right now, as you said. He had his outside weapons. He had his running back. He even has. Two capable tight ends, which is more than what other teams have. And maybe his offensive line was dinged up a little bit, but like you said, who isn't right now? 
And he's mobile. He's supposed to overcome that. And he's mobile. Like that's a that's and that's a difference between him and Philip Rivers. He's mobile. He can make plays. Imagine if if Philip Rivers was mobile in that game this weekend. He probably they probably might pull that game off. And then we're talking we're we're talking about a whole nother narrative and that 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 call is magnified because it, it turned the game. But the Seahawks, I'm I don't know what you're gonna have to do, but you're gonna have to tell Russell Wilson we're reallocating some resources to the defense because that's what's going to win us the, the game or Chris Carson isn't the level of a running back that we think he is, but it's supposed to be Russell Wilson. Like this was supposed to be his year. It started out his year. He was going to get all the votes for MVP and it, you know, he was, it's not, it's just not. No, after week seven, the guy, like you said, he was a run of the mill quarterback after week seven. Yeah. And there's every excuse in the book for him. He's got a great coach who knows how to win. His defense was better. He has Tyler Lockett, who ha- has proven time and time again, despite one of us here on this show, not me, thinking he doesn't have the up. talent to do it. I don't know what you're about. That's okay. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have our best of hundred show coming out in the next few weeks, and uh, I, I, I I I got the clips. I got the clips. That's fair. You can't play a politician. You don't get to say it and then deny it. I have it on tape. Uh, Did you hear what Cow- uh, no, not Cow- uh, Carol said? No. That they're going to recommit to the run game. Okay, that's what they've done the whole time. But now they're going to they're going to go back to the way they used to run the ball. So then what's the point <laughs> okay. of having, having what what is he, $30 million, $35 million quarterback? Yeah. If you're just going to run the ball like the Titans. Like what is the point? Going to sell a lot of jerseys. People are going to love to see it. Well, have fun being nine and seven. If that, if if that, I mean, the Niners will come back. The Rams clearly seem to have figured something out, and the Cardinals aren't going away. And and by the way, I do realize that by me not calling calling Russell Wilson not elite, that's gonna that's gonna stir up some stuff. Oh yeah. So make sure you listen to the end of the show, and Ben's going to tell you exactly where you can send your hate mail to me. So that'll be that'll be fun. All right, moving on. Our last uh, our last topic before we get to the our playoff predictions for the upcoming weekend. The Browns. Nobody gave them a chance. I know we talked about it earlier. We're not going to go yeah. too crazy on this, but it went into Pittsburgh, took advantage of all the the many many Steelers mistakes, and they beat up their big brother. They ate their lunch. And now they're headed to Kansas City next weekend. The Browns, Steelers, excuse me, did everything wrong. Juju, running his mouth before the game as usual. They're the same old Browns. We know who they are, whatever. Well, the Browns kept their head down when they could have made excuses. They had another COVID outbreak. Their head coach wasn't there. They were going in against a team they barely beat with their second stringers in. All the narratives. This team could have gotten distracted. This team could have gotten down on themselves. What did they do? They kept their head down. They worked. They game planned. Did what they had to do. They went into Pittsburgh. And they exercised the demons in the last 25 years. Look, spoiler, I don't think this team's going any further. But, man, if you're a Browns fan, don't get upset next week if they lose to Kansas City. Because you have a very good team on your hands that is only going to get better. And... This is not the same Browns team of the past. Baker impressed me. Nick Chubb has always impressed me. That offensive line just pushed a great Steelers defensive line around. I mean, (laughs) this team has an extremely, extremely, much like the Bills, extremely bright future. I look at this and... I think I know I picked the Steelers, but I, I there's there's two teams I think I pointed out in the AFC that have this weakness and that's susceptible to the running game. And that's the Steelers and the Chiefs. And clearly the Steelers, well, paired with a lot of turnovers, um their their wounds their 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 wounds were opened up severely 
I'm not dismissing the Browns in hand next week. But it is going to be a tough, tough game for them to, to win. Oh, I, 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 I'm not either. I'm not either. Trust me. Uh, I like what the Browns did. I didn't get to watch the game. I would have liked to watch the game. I know I'll, at one point I, I pulled up the ESPN app and it said 28 to nothing. And I think you text I, me. Is this an error or what's going on with the score or something like that? And 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 and, then, and now you you said they're just playing like shit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's an accurate statement. I, I just think <laughs> I'll just finish up with this. Yeah. I think the, the Steelers clearly took took it for granted. And I think that that the issues they've had since they they lost their first game have just been building up the entire season. And I don't want to say by luck they won their division, but just by the mere uh, size of their lead uh, and a couple matchups late in the season that they took advantage of, that's why they won their division. And they might want to look real hard at this in the offseason. And I think the thing you you brought up many times – is you need a different running back. And what I mean by that is not the same guy drafted each and yeah. every year. Yeah, three or four of the same guy back there. Like, you don't need them. And I think they need to shift that focus back a little bit to the running game because they've gone way away from the running game, so almost exclusively to the passing game, which is not going to work. Who knows what's going to happen with the running back? They have they are in salary cap purgatory right now, as I think Al Michael said last night. I'm not going to quite say hell, but uh, they're they're just about they're on the outside of that salary cap hell door. They have a mountain of free agents to resign. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but okay. Antonio Brown, they had him. He started running his mouth too much, became a, a headache. They let mm-hmm. him walk. Right. Juju Smith-Schuster is more concerned with his TikTok followers. You know, whatever's going on in the field. He has talent, and when he's on, he's on. He's more worried about – they had video of him uh, practicing his TikTok dance as they're yeah. down in the fourth quarter about to be sent home. So he's more worried about that than what's on the field. Chase Claypool, while immensely talented, goes on today, more worried about Instagram and social media, saying how the Browns shouldn't be too happy because they're going to get destroyed by uh, the Chiefs next year. So apparently Chase Claypool is now a Chiefs cheerleader. Well, you know what? If I'm Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Neither one of us will ever deny that. No. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I go to him and I say, where do you want to go? Get rid of him now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, if, you take Chase just, Claypool to a team that has a high second-round pick, and you just send him off. Oh. Not dealing with this again. Deontay Johnson, when Deontay Johnson got criticized, you know what Deontay Johnson did? Deontay Johnson apologized, put his head down, worked better, and, and worked on his catching and his hands to make sure he wasn't dropping easy passes anymore. Chase Claypool's on there, uh, on, you know, with his with his streaming setup, trying to troll Browns fans instead of worrying about why you and your team couldn't beat them the night before. Mike Tomlin's better than that, and even though I'm a Patriots fan, that Steelers organization is better than that. If I'm the Steelers organization, this offseason, we all sit down. You know, the the G, the GM, Tomlin, the wide receivers coach, and any lineage of wide receivers coach that has been in the past and say, with the exception of Heinz Ward and maybe Deontay Johnson, and I know I'm missing a bunch, but there are tons, tons of diva wide receivers who have come through Pittsburgh you can even throw Mike Wallace in there as one of those Devo wide receivers. And if he was if he was around when Instagram and Twitter were at their peak, he would be just he would be just as bad. And it's it's very telling that not even the completion of his first year, Chase Claypool, and who has been pumping his tires all season? I have. Oh, dude, I have too. We've both been we've both been on the Chase Claypool fan uh, bandwagon all year, and wh- all year. And what is it? I, I, when I saw that, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you sipping, sipping the same crap that AB was feeding Juju Smith Schuster? I, I agree with you 100. percent 
I mean, maybe he should, it should be a first round pick, but if you need to get it, if you, if you call a team and say, Hey, what do you want for Chase Claypool? You're not going to get a first round pick. Cause obviously they're going to be concerned about something. I just say, give me a top six, a top second round pick. Here you go. Here's Chase Claypool. And I say, good luck kid. Cause I'm not dealing with that. No, it's and not I'm the talent. It's, 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 it's the head, the space between the years. If he doesn't have it there, doesn't matter how fast he can run. And wait until he gets a fat contract. What do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think is realistically going to happen? It's just going to get worse. And Juju, just tell Juju to go somewhere else. That's all I got to say. Just go somewhere else because we're, we are all set with you. Oh, they're going to have to because they don't have the money to re-sign him, especially he's considering he's too worried about think, social media. So Think of this, Chris. If the offer's on the table and it works – call up the Carolina Panthers and say, hey, we'll take Robbie Anderson and let's make it work out so it's a balanced trade for Chase Claypool and then just let Juju go off in the sunset. Take Robbie Anderson. The guy dealt with so much crap in New York and now he's he's doing pretty good in Carolina. What do you think he's going to do with Ben Roethlisberger? I, it's not out of the realm of possibility. but it's not, there's, just, a lot, there's a lot of interesting things that could happen this offseason, that's for sure. Um, all right, real quick before we go, we're just gonna we're not gonna get too crazy and, and deep dive in these, but we're gonna go down to four matchups this upcoming weekend mm-hmm. and just give our predictions. Uh, some will be easy because there's still teams we you know we think are gonna go all the way in there. But first matchup, the apparently Jared Goff led Rams against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau in January. Uh, I know where I'm going with this one. Yeah, I'm going Packers too. Yeah, Packers. Uh, that. Yeah, that offense is just too dynamic and too good, and they're in Lambeau, and it's just it's yeah. No disrespect to the Rams or Aaron Donald, but yeah, it's it's Packers. Ravens at Bills. I'm actually gonna go Ravens on this one. Really? Um, I, I he he has to sell me, and he didn't sell me last game. I mean, he did good. Who? I'm talking about Josh Allen. He okay. did good. He did really good. He was basically the offense. Um, but I. I this is this is going to be one of those games. This one and the next one. Sell me. You need the entire run to sell me on this. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, Lamar has me sold. He's a franchise guy. I, have, I believe that ever since he had that little little dip in the middle of this year, this first year. Uh, excuse me, this season. Yeah. yeah. The first real dip he's had since he won the MVP and had that great year last year. Um. He's proved he can come back. He can lead the team. He's the right guy. They're a better team by far when he's on the field. I'm still going with the Bills. I have them winning the Super Bowl. That's, I'm not deviating from that. I think this could be, though, if both teams play up to par, this could be the best game we see in the entire postseason, including the Super Bowl, just with what these two teams can do. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this is the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But just the matchups – I, I'm still going with the Bills, but it would not surprise me to see Baltimore walk out of this one. Browns and Chiefs. Uh, I'm still – I think they're going to be competitive, but I think it's going to be the Chiefs. This is one of those where I really, really want to be wrong because a, a, as a Patriots fan, uh, it may sound funny that I say I want the underdogs to win, but my team at one point was the underdog. Right. And I remember being a, a long suffering fan base where the team would be just good enough to make the playoffs, maybe even make a Super Bowl and just not quite win. And then of course we had that great run with Brady where we won a lot. Uh but I do remember what it's like to be that fan that has to play Madden to see your team win a Super Bowl. So I would be more than happy with a Bills Browns AFC championship and let the best team win. Uh but I think unfortunately <laughs> yeah, you got the big bad boogeyman down there in Kansas City, and I don't think Cleveland has enough to get by them. So I'm going with, I'm going with the Rams. Uh, Rams. <laughs> I'm going with the Chiefs. Yep. But I hope I'm wrong. Bucks and Saints, round uh, three I'm this go, year. Yep, I'm going to go Saints on this one. I'm going Saints. I think it'll be a better game. First two, you know, New Orleans kind of, especially the second one, ran away with. Uh, but I think that defense played better. That offense is going to be humming even more. And I, I just, 
if Drew Brees is really hanging it up, there's no way he goes out like this. So I'm going Saints. We got a wash on the Rams and Packers. We got a wash on the Browns and Chiefs. Uh, ben says Ravens. I say Bills. And we both say Saints. So we only have one difference. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We only have one way. One way. But it would be, wouldn't it be something if, if you were 3-1, and one, I was 4-0? and oh? That would be something. I'd love it. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. 750 winning percentage. And I still didn't beat you. Uh, All right, but anything else? You good? Uh, just good luck to Alabama and Ohio State. We got the college football playoff championships tonight. Oh, yeah. Wow. And he's a Michigan fan, folks. For him to, uh, him to say good luck to Ohio State, he's hoping to suck up to hopefully future Patriot Justin Fields. Uh, may- maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, but I'm hoping. My fingers are crossed. And we thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or comments on this episode or past episodes, Ben and I would love to hear from you. Or if you want to, you know, curse me for my Russell Wilson take, where can they get in touch with us? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris talk sports or the website, bctspod.com. All right. We want to thank you all again for your support. It means a lot to us. Uh, downloads are once again after a little bit of a dip over the course of the holiday season or once again on the rise uh, if you feel so inclined and you enjoy the show leave a rating and a review for ben i am chris please stay safe stay healthy and we will see you right back here next wednesday thank you